Swim check one, two. Bike check one, two. Run check one, two. I think we're ready. Let's try this. Welcome to the Try Beginner's Luck podcast, a podcast where we explore the sport of triathlon from a variety of perspectives to help beginner triathletes on their journey. I am your host, Nashonda Shines. All right, y'all, welcome back to Try Beginner's Luck. We got a new episode today, and I get to bring someone to the podcast who's an actual listener, like real listener. Not that there's not real listeners, but you know what I mean. How I found out this person was a listener is I was on the streets um, in at Lake Placid, and we had this moment where she's like, wait a minute, are you Mashonda? Mashonda from Try Beginners Like, And I was like, yeah. And I was like, are you Maria? Maria from Varlow? Like the model? Yeah. So we had a fangirl moment. It was beautiful. It was authentic. But it was just what moments are made for when you need that little bit of oomph to keep going. Because it's about the power of one. And at this stage, uh, when, you know, she was telling me how she listened on her training rides, I was like, for real? Like, really? Oh my gosh, I felt so honored. And we were able to talk. And from that moment, we have been IG friends. And now she's a friend to you all. Let me give you a little bit of background about Maria, because she's not only um, a triathlete or the face of our love, but she's really about community. She loves the tri-space probably just as much as I do. And that's a lot, a lot, a lot. But Maria is the vice president of the T3 Philly team. If you've seen them at races, they are large and in charge, okay? But she's also a part of the Bicycle Coalition of Greater Philadelphia, and they do a lot of great work. And she's been on panels talking about DEIA and multi-sport, doing an intro into multi-sport panel with the Philly, even the Philly Bike Expo, which is a big brand where you can go there to find all types of bike-ish stuff. Welcome to Tribe Beginner's Luck, Maria Paredes Fernandez. Welcome. Ms. Shonda, thank you. Thank you so much. It really is such an honor <laughs> to be featured uh, on the podcast after uh, getting to listen to it um, at, since last year on my training rides. Uh, to be on here to talk to you uh, is, is just really special. So thank you. Well, I am equally honored. So I appreciate uh, just your candidness and your boldness, but most importantly, your fierceness. Now let's talk about this Barlow situation because what? Okay. I absolutely love that you are the face of Barlow or one of the faces of Barlow. How did that come about? Sure. Um, so I know it's kind of hard to believe whenever people have asked me this, um, but it really was just kind of like, like a cold call, like very sudden. Um, I mean, it wasn't completely serendipitous. Uh, I had um, heard about Varlow uh, and they just just started uh, their their company and they were looking for brand ambassadors. Um, and now typically that's not something that I would 
do, I, I honestly, I've, I'm even now I'm not a brand ambassador to, to anything except for Varlow. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was just something about Varlow that really caught my eye, even in its uh, infancy. Um, and I think it was just, uh, it wasn't even just like the clothing, but just, it just felt like there was something more behind it, um, that there was a, a bigger goal, a bigger mission. Um, and I also really appreciated that it was local. Um, and, um, yeah, that uh, uh, some of my other friends were also affiliated with it too. Um, my, uh, good friends, Lika Paris and now, uh, Ed Chang, who's, uh, COO. So, um, yeah, I'm like, I'll, I'll sign up for this. Um, got a couple of, you know, got a, a hoodie. I'd gotten a water bottle. And, uh, yeah, then I just get this message, uh, text message. Uh, it was, I believe, right after I'd completed Ironman Maryland. And it was from Saj. And he was like, hey, um, you know, congratulations on um, completing Ironman Maryland. Uh, would you be interested in, you know, filming uh, a commercial and maybe doing a, a photo shoot? And I was like, what? <laughs> like, so um, I, I honestly thought I was being like, like a, it was a prank or something like that. But um, it turned out that it was very legitimate. Uh, we talked on the phone and uh, I just felt so at ease with him. Um, and it, and again, it's not something that I would typically do I've always been very um I don't know I guess not to put yourself in like a box or something but like I just never really considered myself like that I was always very like acad- and still am very like academic and you know not um I don't know I, I I just I not to again not to say that you can't be an academic and also do photo shoots and things like that but I just didn't see myself that way um and so just to know that I felt so comfortable with Saj, uh, and uh, and I just really enjoyed it. It was it's just been a wonderful process, and so from this one thing, it turned out to be multiple things, and it's just um, a fun way to kind of harness like the confidence that I feel uh, whenever I wear their their products. Uh, I'm not getting paid by saying this, I, I swear, but like I really do, I genuinely do. I tap into something. Um, you know, I guess inside the whole look good, feel good kind of mentality. Uh, and that's just kind of what takes over uh, during those photo shoots. So, um, so yeah, and then there's the other aspect of it too, where it's like, you know, this is me celebrating what I look like at my, at my, at my best, at my athletic best. Um, and so it's going to be fun to see when I'm like 100 years old and looking back and being like, yeah, I used to look like this. <laughs> and I'm sure at 100 years old, you'll still be like, yeah, I'm doing it. I just uh, had an interview with Sister Madonna and it was very interesting talking to her because she's 92 and a half. And so the conversation flow was a little bit different, but she was just like, you know, just she's still who she is and still doing it. So I believe you'll be along those lines of still doing it, looking at me like, look, kids, I'm doing good. Like, you know, having that confidence, (laughs) but no, I, I totally see what you're saying when you talk, because like, you know, speaking to you now and then looking at your, your pictures, it's like, I'm Maria, you better put some (laughs) respect on this. And it's so really good because, you know, we do, when we look good, we do feel good. 
And I'm glad that you're saying that when you put on the Varlow apparel, that gives you that boast of confidence because as athletes who have to wear spandex, you want to look good and feel good and be confident. So I totally dig that. Yeah, no, definitely, definitely, definitely. Um, so, uh, yeah, I'm just so thankful um, to uh, continue to represent a brand that really means uh, a lot to me. And through this brand, it's just opened so many doors and I've got to meet so many uh, wonderful, wonderful people. Absolutely. And I can just imagine um, Saj giving you a call because he's so calm and he's like, Maria, just want to check in with you to see. No, I'm just kidding. I'm not doing this. <laughs> but I've gotten one of those cryptic calls and I'm like, yeah, 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 sure. <laughs> Absolutely. Who can say no to Saj? I don't think anyone can. Like, it's really hard because he's such a nice guy. And I really love what they're doing uh, just with the team and how they're being inclusive yes. and diverse. And I want to talk to you about that because You've done some speaking with uh, the Bicycle Coalition and with, uh, I just mentioned it a few seconds ago, um, the Bike Philly Tri-Bike Expo uh, with diversity, equity, inclusion, access, and what does that look like? And so talk to me what about what it means for you to be with, talk to me about what does it look like for you to have this space to be more diverse? Sure. Um, so I, I think about a couple of quotes. Um, I, I always joke that I don't really have original thoughts that I, I just pull from other people. And two quotes come to mind. Um, the first is that there are different different kinds of perceiving lead to different kinds of knowing and understanding. So pretty much like the way that I interpret that is through sharing your story, even though we're doing the same thing, um, we're all competing in triathlon, like the way that we come about it, the way that we see it, the way that we experience it is, is different. Um, and so, uh, if you only surface just a couple of stories, the issue is that you, you just believe that that's the only story, uh, which brings me to, um, my second favorite quote, uh, which comes from a, uh, a TED talk from this Nigerian writer, uh, Chimamanda uh, Ngozi Adichie, um, where she talks about the danger of the single story, the story of a group or an individual. If there's only one version and you tell that one version repeatedly, you risk creating uh, misunderstandings. Uh, and so uh, it robs us of our humanity is, is how she puts it. Um, it really emphasizes how we're different instead of the same. And um, I think that if we have the opportunity to tell different stories, uh, to, show, to share our different perspectives, it just leads to, to this bigger uh, knowledge of the sport. So um, to kind of go back to your question, it's like a long-winded way to answer the question. Um, I uh, come from a working class uh, background. My parents are um, immigrants to the United States um, from Latin America, my mother from Ecuador, my father from Argentina. Uh, and they, um, you know, I had a great childhood uh, outside of Philadelphia in Delaware County, um, but they had a very limited way of kind of being, viewing and seeing the world. Um, and particularly when it comes to sport. 
Uh, they thought that the way for me to excel in life was through academics. And so that was pushed for me. Um, and um, in consequence, I didn't really get to explore that side uh, as, as a youth. Uh, I just remember going down. Uh, and when we would go into the city, um, Kelly Drive is this big stretch um, that's right by the Schuylkill River. Uh, I can see that you're nodding, Mishanda. You've seen that before. Um, I've written it before. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh, that's great. Yeah, it's just such a delightful space. And I just would look out the window and being like, oh, I wanted, I'd love to be one of those people. Um, but, you know, for my parents, it was like, oh, well, you know, we don't have the time because they were working so much or, um, you know, they just to be able to have the time to devote to that. Uh, it was it was a luxury it was seen as something luxurious and it was seen as something that only a particular group of people could do, a uh, particular social class of people could could undertake. Um, and so um, to see, you know, another person like myself, like first generation, low income person uh, to be able to do these things. And, and I don't have a background in swimming or a, a much of an athletic background. I knew I loved running, um, but I didn't get to pursue that until afterwards. Um, so I, I just think it's just so important for uh, to highlight the stories of people that, yes, you know, that they were um athletic um geniuses uh that you know been swimming since they were two i mean that's amazing it's also great too you know to highlight the stories of people that come into the sport a little bit later uh in life come into the sporting world a little bit later in life um that maybe had some uh, like um uh, money issues uh but then find a way to um enter the sport uh, and, um, yeah, I like going and attending these talks. I like presenting at these talks to kind of, again, show that there's another perspective into this, that there's another story to tell. And, um, and as you had talked about earlier, Mishanda, the power of one, like, even if I'm able to touch one person afterwards and, and, you know, if they were on the fence about it, um, maybe that was the push they needed. Yes, I couldn't agree more with everything that you said, Maria, but you just said it so eloquently and, you know, it speaks to you being a doctoral student, right? Like you pulled in these great quotes that I need to get, like, I'm going <laughs> to get them from you, but not just these great quotes that show the power of being um, multidimensional in your storytelling, and the more that you are multi-layered, multi-dimensional and diverse in your storytelling, the more exposure it lends itself. And so I could not agree with you more about the power of sharing your story. And thank you for, you know, being on these panels because sometimes people are even scared to talk about it because they're afraid they're going to say something that may not be quite right, or they may not get a word right, or be able to share their thoughts uh, in a way that can connect. But sometimes it's just about getting on there and even making the mistakes because we don't know everything. We just don't know everything, but we do know our story and we know how it is for us coming into sport. And so coming from a background as diverse as yours, as is mine, it does look different for us. 
And so hearing more people share their stories can only generate more interest because they're like, wait, those are two brown girls. Wait, they, they, they do this. Well, maybe we can too. And so I just love that. And it didn't matter about, um, I understand your parents wanting you to focus on education because what they've come here and they've seen the struggle, right? So they don't want you to throw your life away to something that may not get a return on their investment, <laughs> you know? So I totally get that, but I'm also glad that you were able to explore and uh, be able to get out. So what was the segue for you? Like, how did you segue? I think I'm you, you mentioned it a little bit when that was running, but let's talk about how you even got into sport. Uh, yeah, so um, I did get to do um, track when I was in middle school. Uh, that happened to work out um, really well. And I absolutely loved, loved track. Um, and unfortunately, like I said, I couldn't continue on into high school. Uh, but then when I went to Penn State um, for, for uh, my bachelor's degree, that was an opportunity there. Um, I had met this girl um, whenever I was rushing a sorority. Uh, she ended up not committing to one, um, but we I saw her uh, stretching with another group of, of ladies and um, I was like, oh, you know, like, what are you, what are you doing? She's like, oh, you know, this is um, Penn State Club Press Country, like, you know, come join us. Um, and so the very next day <laughs> I went and uh, met up with them and that was my first like real experience as, as I guess, an, an adult um, into sport and what it could do. Uh, it was just the highlight of um, my college, uh, one of the biggest highlights of, of, of my college career, uh, getting to run uh, with these ladies. We would integrate as well with with the men's team. Um, it was it was a club team. So it was something that we did for fun, but we were still serious about it. Uh, and it was a nice balance that I really enjoyed. Um, and, uh, it was through my time there and, you know, my commitment to the group, uh, then in the last year I was elected workout chair. So I was really excited about that and planning, uh, the workouts, um, for the group, um, figuring out what our strengths were, uh, somebody from the bicycle coalition, Michelle Lee, uh, always says, uh, to race your strengths and train your weaknesses. And so kind of taking note of the weaknesses that we had and just working on those, but also really celebrating our strengths. And if there was somebody that was particularly good at like Hills, for example, to kind of coach the other people that were there or like just taking the best out of what we had. Um, so it wasn't like I, you know, put together all the workouts or anything like that. It was a lot of input and a lot of uh, buy-in from the group. Uh, and that's how we were able to have a, a particularly great season whenever I was workout chair. I think uh, we placed like um, either first or second, I don't remember now, um, in the NIRCA championships. Um, so, uh, and then that particular year, um, THON, Penn State uh, Dance Marathon, which benefits um, children with pediatric cancer, the Four Diamonds Fund, uh, they have the largest student-run philanthropy in the world. It's 46. Now it's 46 hours of no sleeping or sitting. But at the time, it was 48. And um, 
because of the commitment uh, that I had with the group, uh, I was elected to represent them uh, as a dancer. And that to me was just like, oh my gosh, like in, in my little world, that was uh, just a, a highlight, an absolute highlight. And I was extremely honored uh, to do that. So um, yeah, it, it, and it's just a high that I've been chasing not not the dancing the dancing yeah I guess but like the the group dynamic was a high that I had been chasing um after college um because it was just so much more it wasn't just the running it was like just the conversations that we would have the connections that we would make um the things that I would learn kind of like this was pre-reddit so like you know whatever there was a way to like learn about like classes or like other people's experiences or how to take out loans or like hey i need a ride to you know the supermarket can you help me like all of these connections just kind of started happening um and uh so there's just so much more than just the team and like the sport it it, it goes it, it's just so much bigger than that and your own development as a person as well um and and just being able to thrive and being able to be happy. And uh, yeah, like I said, that's just kind of like the high that I chase. And uh, I try to do it um, in my own spare time as an athlete, but also something that I'm interested in, in studying as a researcher. Yeah, you, that was such a turning point for you, Maria. Like, <laughs> I'm sitting up here like, I don't even know where to go from there. Like there were so many different points in which you exploring that for yourself unlocked something in you. It unlocked That's more. Nice. It's like uh, it unlocked a curiosity for more. And that curiosity has now unlocked just different components of community for you that would not have been necessarily available had you not been curious enough to let these girls are over here stretching. Let me, let me go over here and see what they're doing. And I think that's just powerful. And for those who are listening it, and, and I, I want to point paint this picture. It's like, be curious you, because you just never know. And even if you don't know all that you need to know, just jump in and, and get started. I mean, unlike me, I'm not a researcher when it comes to just doing things. I'm a researcher when it comes to big things, but like athletic stuff, it's just like, okay, let me just try it and see. And then I find out going back and doing the research and that helps me out. Cause clearly it, it, it allowed me to know that, okay, I love this. Okay. Now I want to do more research, but I just jumped into this sport, right? Just jumped in. And it sounds like that's kind of like what you did. You just jumped in and it's like, oh, I'm good at this. Now I get to plan the workouts. Now I get to do this. So I absolutely love that. I love it. You don't always have to plan. Just do it. Just jump in. Be curious. Yeah. yeah no, thanks, Mashanda. And and that's, um, we talked a little bit earlier about sometimes learning by doing and just going in and, and doing it and the analogy of you can, and which is ironic because I actually do not drive, but um, to read the manual about driving and know about it in theory versus going out and driving yourself. You could read the manual all, as much as you want, um, but you won't really know until you drive. And sometimes it's works the same way too with the sport. You won't know unless you kind of do it and it's 
um, trial and error. Um, there are some things that could be avoided and, you know, you could talk to people. Um, but, um, you know, it, it's you pick your own adventure. Uh, you can mix and match and do a little bit of everything. Um, explore yourself. You know, you'll find out if the stove is hot or not. Um, and, you know, researching bikes and seeing, you know, which is the best one for you. I like that. Mix and match. Explore. You never know. I like that. Makes me feel better better about my experience of just, hey, jump in and I'm like, oh, so what should I need? I need a 56 bike, not a 54. Oh, for real? Yeah. Listen, I've been there. I've done that. That's why you should listen. So you don't make those same mistakes. And some people may not be readers. They may not want to sit up here and read a bunch of stuff. They may just want to listen. So here we are for you. So Maria, cross country, you did it. How did you get your way into multi-sport? Because you said you didn't grow up a swimmer. You didn't own a bike, but you could run. So take us into that lane. So, Michonne, it's so interesting because if you would have asked me in college, like, you know, hey, Maria, you're going to be swimming and biking, too. I would have laughed in your face because I just I just absolutely loved um running and I, it's not like I'm particularly amazing at it or anything like that but I just it, I just genuinely just love you know just being with my thoughts or being with other people and um kind of seeing the world but uh through that way uh but it was in 2018 uh along that Schuylkill River Trail uh where I happened to trip on a rock and fall so it's not even like that great of a story it's pretty it's a pretty silly story I should embellish and lie and just say I was trying to rescue a cat or something um <laughs> from a tree I think that would be better um so I guess for the record yes I was trying to rescue a cat from a tree and and I fell off the tree and, and broke my foot uh and so uh well, that's for real no 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 I I I I'm going to start telling that story now. Oh, because you know, I am so gullible. I'm like, for real? <laughs> oh, gosh, girl, you had me, you had me fooled. Okay. <laughs> no, no, it's the the very boring. I tripped over a rock and fell, um, broke my foot. Um, I had a Jones fracture uh, on my left foot. So it was like the pinky, um, below the pinky where the crack was. Um, and so I, uh, hadn't broken a bone before that. So, um, you know, just to, to rehab the foot, I was told that I could swim and that I could stationary bike. And, um, I'm like, you know what, that's like two thirds of a triathlon. I might as well sign up for one. And the learning by doing <laughs> Mishanda comes in because I was like, Hmm, like, I've never done a triathlon before, but you know what? Let's, let's do Eagleman. Let's do an, a half Ironman. So, <laughs> so wait, okay. Not to stop your story, but you're rehabbing and you just sign up for Eagleman. Pretty much. Yeah. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> I'm here for this. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so learning by doing, you know, I'm like, let's just, let's just jump in. Let's do this. Uh, and it wasn't until, um, had two friends. Um, one of them is actually on Team Barlow. Uh, Leah Bellardo was like, um, maybe you should do a triathlon before you do this big event. And, you know, 
just as like a tune-up. So Thank I you, took Leo. her. Mm -hmm. Thank you. <laughs> so I took uh I took her advice and um signed up for uh, a local race Hamilton uh triathlon uh in New Jersey. Uh, and, uh, Leah was so kind, again, just the kindness of the community, um, took me in, uh, took my other friend, uh, Becca, um, Schofield as well, and was like showing us how to do transitions and like what we needed to do. So I didn't go in completely blind, but it is a very different thing. Kind of going back to the analogy with the car, um, you know, somebody explaining what to do and showing you what to do versus the actual race day where like, you know, you're nervous as it is like, it's like super hot, but like, you know, the water was like super cold. It was my first open water swim, first race on a bike, first transitions and like, oh my goodness, there was so much <laughs> to take in that day. Um, but it was a great um, experience. A whole lot of first. So we got to <laughs> unpack that. Your first open water swim, your first ride, your first race on a bike. Like, okay, let's. Tell us about that first race. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so this was uh, Hamilton. Um, it was a sprint. So, um, and the lake was particularly cold. I remember just going and there was, it was, uh, there was cedar in the water. So you couldn't even really see um, around you, which was so different than the, than the pool. <laughs> and um I just like, I just panicked because the water was so cold. Um, I did have a wetsuit and I had borrowed one, but it was too big for me. So that was the other thing. Make sure your wetsuit, uh, if you borrow a wetsuit, I mean, I guess having one is better than not having one at all, but it just filled up with uh, water. And I, I think it was like sinking me instead of helping me. So, um, yeah. And, and, and just, just how cold it was just, like it took my breath away wow. and I'm like, how am I going to make it through the swim? Um, somehow, I don't know how I like doggy paddled, like everything that I did in the pool was like completely and, you know, just, just gone. Like I was in survival mode. So, um, I'm pretty sure I was like the second to last person to come out of the water, uh, that day, but I was, I felt so triumphant. Like it was like, yes, it didn't, it didn't, I, I, I conquered the water. It didn't conquer me. Um, and, Absolutely. uh, <laughs> I'm just still back at the, the too big wetsuit and it filling up with water. Cause I can see that just filling up with water, making it a lot heavier. Oh, okay. So tell us about <laughs> this bike. Cause that had to be, I'm interested to see what that was like for you. So something else that I had learned afterwards was, um, you want to change your gear and not your effort. And so I learned that the hard way again, learning by doing, um, and it stuck with me because, uh, I go out with my, my little road bike and I'm, you know, pedaling away and I just had it on too high of a gear and I was just doing so much work. And I was like, everybody I mean like again I'm the second to the last person out of the water everyone's like way ahead and I like want to try to do well in this in this triathlon um but yeah I was just mashing and mashing and mashing away and um you know in retrospect I'm like oh my gosh like you know you want to keep a light cadence like what is it like 85 95 rpms um mm -hmm. And, and again, changing, 
the effort and there and luckily it was flat but like there were a, a couple of little hills and if you're all the way in like you know your hardest and you're trying to go over these hills I didn't know to shift down and so it it was probably a speed bump but it felt like Everest like at the time <laughs> that's what I feel like with Strawberry Hill uh Strawberry Mansion um I have a very similar experience of just not knowing how to shift down and which is why now when I'm sharing with other beginners or teaching mm -hmm. um, a spin class for triathletes, it's like, hey, it's all about your cadence and spinning faster and not harder. But, you know, sometimes people it doesn't translate until they actually have that experience. Keep going, girlfriend. Keep going. Exactly. <laughs> Ooh, I can just imagine your legs at this point. <laughs> Yeah, I, I honestly, it was like my arms were pretty wiped out. My legs were pretty wiped out. Um, and uh, I'm just I'm trying to remember what else uh, about that experience. I mean, I, I like didn't really know how to drink water either. Um, I That was something else that I didn't really kind of master until the end of the summer. Um, and it was because I made it a point to practice that. But in my mind, I was like at the time I was like, oh, it's like a. 10 mile bike ride, like I'll be okay. And I didn't have any water. And so I was like dying. <laughs> while I was matching oh, away. Wow. So, so pl please make sure that you <laughs> drink water. Okay. So not only were you like putting out a lot of effort, but you also couldn't drink water. So where you didn't know how to like get it from the, the, the bracket up, Oh yeah, that yeah, that's I, a big thing. Practice, y'all. That that is a good thing. I, we've ever had anyone talk about how they couldn't do uh, um, practice getting their water bottle up. That is worth practicing, even if you're on a stationary bike. So that's how I learned. I learned on my trainer by just picking it up from the 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 what is it called the bottle cages. Uh, and then when I was able to do it outside, it was like effortless, but I couldn't either at first learn how to drink. It was like, I had to slow down and stop drink and you can, you don't have that time during a race. Yes. So yes. practice, practice getting your water or your hydration. Or if you have a, some people, if there's their first time, they have a camel back or some type of, a, a water nutrition system on their backs, get through it, but make sure you are hydrating at the same time because that's going to set you up for your run. Exactly. Everything you take in on the bike sets you up for your run. Okay. And actually, I'm glad that you brought that up, Mishanda, about the hydration system, because in lieu of what happened uh, at Hamilton, whenever I did Eagleman, I did bring a hydration pack and that was a lifesaver. Um, so I can't even imagine what my strategy was you know, had I not done this race beforehand. So, uh, so again, thank you, Leah, for convincing me to do that race. Friends who are wise, we are here <laughs> for it. Thank you, Leah. Cause otherwise, uh, Eagle man could have been a whole different, I think more probably catastrophic because it's a longer race. It was your first and you could have walked away hating triathlon. Yes, definitely. 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 So, um, yeah, like, uh, so no, no shame. I mean, I had my little hydration pack. I was, I think I was one of the few people in Eagleman that had the little hydration pack, but, um, 
you know, for your first one, you just want to finish. So, um, and until you figure out like how to, you know, do your hydration with the bottle. I mean, even after, if you can pick the bottle out of your bottle cages, um, just knowing that you have enough nutrition. Um, so if you have to use a camelback, I think that's, that's perfectly okay. Um, all right. So let's talk about Eagle Man, because that's the race that you were going to do before Leah so graciously was like, hey, friend, slow up. Let's do this sprint. So tell us about Eagle Man, because that was your first, that was your planned first race that you wanted to do. Yeah. Oh, that's a great way to put it. Yeah, that was my planned first race. So I was incredibly anxious for the swim after my performance at Hamilton. So, um, and I uh, looked at the Chop Tank River and saw white caps, and I was like, wow. How is this going to happen? Um, lucky for me, and I know most triathletes would have been upset, the swim was canceled. Uh, this was in 2019. Uh, and so we just had to focus on the bike and the run. And because of that, I'm just so, so thankful that that happened because I'm pretty sure I would have hated triathlon had I had to swim in the chop tank. I mean, there's no jellyfish in um, June, but Thank God I was for that. <laughs> <laughs> at least one of those races doesn't have jellyfish but um <laughs> but um yeah uh I um I, I enjoyed I got the bug afterwards like after that race I was like okay like if anything it's it was like okay I have to redo Eagle Man with the swim but yeah I was like grossly underprepared um for that part of it uh but the bike because I had I uh, had a hydration system that really helped. Uh, so whenever I had to do the run, it wasn't, it wasn't that bad. Um, it can be pretty hot and there's no shade there really. Um, but it was very manageable. Um, and, and yeah, like I said, I, I got hooked and I was like, all right, sign me up for Maryland next year. <laughs> there it is. I love it. I love it. I love it. So have you decided for yourself what your preferred distance is? Because we all have a distance that we love. So what is the distance that you absolutely love? And it just allows you to just go out and be you. I know it sounds kind of crazy, but uh, I would say the full Ironman distance. Um, and I think it's just because I have that much time for myself. Um, and uh I, I just have more time to enjoy it mm. until I don't enjoy it. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I, I, I think like a sprint is just, it's just too quick. Um, an Olympic is still, um, like I'm still at, at threshold, I guess. Um, I guess, uh, I don't know, uh, just, just the full, it's just like, it's a whole day. So it's like, you're not pushing yourself too hard. And, and I like that. <laughs> I like how you put that. I think, you know, if you've been listening for a while, we know that there's different levels to, um, there's different levels to triathlon, whether you do a sprint, Olympic, half distance or full, but you're right about the effort going back to your statement about change your gear, not your effort. And so when you are doing a sprint, it's all out you are hitting your anaerobic threshold marks. Like you, you're going all out with 
leaving no gas in the tank essentially at the end. And the Olympic, you're still pretty much close to that threshold. And then from each distance from there, you get to kind of go down up to about, uh, for the full distance, you're in that zone two, that cruising zone two, low zone three mixture. Uh, and you you will find out quickly what your distance is. So pay attention to how you feel when you've done each of them. And that will be your your key and the training because the training is also equally different. And so whenever you're training, guys, just think about how you're feeling during that training. And if you like those short bursts of uh, workouts, shorter races are for you. But if you just like to go, think, process, ride for hours, the longer distances are for you um, to just be with yourself. But I think that's, what are some of the things you think about? Cause I know some people like that's my therapy. <laughs> people who like long distances, uh, they use that as like a therapy session for themselves to work out their problems. Is that something that you do? Or do you, you know, just tell us what you talk about or to yourself. Cause you, you spend a lot of time with yourself when you do long distances. So take us through that. I think that goes back to just not to be a broken disc, but the importance of, of community. Um, I think one of the reasons that I also really enjoy uh, the longer distance is because it's a longer training cycle. It's like six, eight months and I'm doing it with other people. And so we make it into uh, kind of like an adventure, like, okay, what are, what are, what pastry shop are we going to bike to like mm -hmm. the Saturday? Uh, so I'm very pastry motivated, but like find that thing that like, or, you know, a location um, that you haven't been to before. And that's one of the things that I really enjoy about cycling, just that opportunity to go to places that you wouldn't normally think to go to, um, like biking all the way to Atlantic City, for example. Um, like, it just feels so far, but then you do it and you're like, oh, wow, that wasn't so bad. And then if you're doing it with other people, um, that's really great, too, because you get to share those experiences with somebody else. Um and so, yeah, uh, that's definitely one of the reasons why I enjoy uh, training for longer distances, um, the bike rides, um, running um, through T3 Philly. I um, started uh, running with the South Philly Striders. My friend, uh, John Encarnacion, uh, said, you know, like, if you don't want to run by yourself doing these long runs, we have a group on Sundays. And so we've made it into something really fun where um we'll sometimes have like movie club where we were watching the John Wick movies and like in our runs we would talk about it like kind of like a book club um so um so just looking so again not to be cliche but it's sometimes it's the journey not the destination and um when you're getting to do things like in a group uh it just breaks up the monotony and you can talk about or do other things. Um, and then with swimming as well, I swim with uh, Philly Fins, which is um, uh, uh, LGBTQ uh, swim team uh, in Philadelphia. And um, just to be able to like, even if it's like a second or two to like shave off, but like, it's like my people that I share the lane with, like they're just as excited uh, as I am um, about that. So it it does take a lot to put yourself out there to go into these groups and like, you don't know what the dynamic is going to be. And I've been in groups where like the dynamic wasn't there. Like I felt like I crashed a party that had already started, but 
put yourself out there because life is hard enough as it is. You don't have to do it alone. Um, you know, um, even people that claim to be, you know, self-made, they have somebody that kind of went in and, and helped them a little bit. Um, so put yourself out there. Um, you, you don't have to struggle alone. Be successful with other people is what I have to say. You know how I feel about that, Maria, right? <laughs> you know, I am just like, yes, yes, and yes. Try with others. It is the best way. Although it is an individual sport, you know, those long rides with other people, whether you're on, at different paces or not, it's just knowing that someone else is out there with you makes it that much better. But I talk about this. So y'all just watching John Wick movies and then y'all talk about them like, can I get in on this? Of course. Can I get in on these bike rides? <laughs> Zoom. Yes, 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 yes. All are welcome. All are welcome to. And so y'all just watching the thing. Movie. It could be a whole thing. Yeah. I think we should make it a thing. I think so too. Mm, it's giving me ideas on ideas. Lord. Oh my gosh. Okay, okay, okay. Focus, Mashonda, focus. But that's actually pretty dope. You guys watch a movie and then on the run, you talk about it. Like, because training rides can be so mundane. I say most of my TV shows for my trainer rides, you know, especially when you're going to be out there for three or four hours on your trainer, you want to be able to have movies or shows or binge watch I, that. Let's talk more about that. Cause I'm sure you guys are going to be having some movie days coming up. Maybe not that the weather is getting really nice outside, but let's, um, let's talk more about that. What's on the docket for you for this year? Uh, for movies, uh, well, not movies. You're right. I should have <laughs> clarified that. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> what I should have said was what's on the agenda for you racing this year. I had switched gears in my brain, but didn't really articulate. That. Oh, that's okay. You, you just, uh, you were in the sprint triathlon zone. I, guess. I was in the sprint triathlon zone trying to get us to this finish line. Cause we got to end. <laughs> um, so, uh, Lake Placid, uh, is the big race. So I'm coming, I'm going back, uh, and uh, I'm doing Tremblant uh, the month before the 70.3 and Happy Valley the week after uh, as a relay. So uh, two races in June and the big one in July. I love. So with Happy Valley, is that where Penn State is? Yes. I was thinking, I was like, I was going to ask you if you were doing Happy Valley because you went to Penn State, but I love that. So what leg of the distance are you going to do for Happy? Well, I, I know, but... What leg of the distance are you going to do? Let me see if I was right in my mind. Uh, bike. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, I figured. I figured. Because why not get all that good hills training in? Because I hear that the elevation is nice and it's a, it's a nice hilly ride for Happy Valley. That's going to be nice. And then Montrem Blanc and then Lake Placid. And Lake Placid has a, a new title sponsor. Oh, really? Yes. It's the Athletic Brewing. Oh, that's wonderful. It is. Oh. I'm really excited about it. So I'm really excited for them and it to be so close to their headquarters out in Connecticut. So that's, that's kind of dope. That's kind of dope. So yeah, I love. All right. So we got three races we get to cheer you on for. Um, 
So that means we got some, maybe, maybe some long rides on the trainer coming up. Yes. Yes. Many long rides. So there'll be lots of try beginners luck and until the weather gets nice and warm and then pastry rides. Pastry rides. Thank you in advance for my invitation. I will make sure I take a picture for you all to see when it actually happens. So you can know that Maria kept her word of including me on the movie rides. Okay. Okay. Yes. (laughs) Oh my goodness. So Maria, you've given us so much good advice. How do you balance, because you're getting your doctor doctorate, how do you balance training and getting your doctorate? Because I, I have friends who are, they are like, it's hard for them. So what is your balance and how do you balance being in school and perhaps working and training? Um, I guess that whole adage of um, if you want something done, give it to a busy person um, applies. Um I think when you have such a tight schedule uh, with all of these different aspects, um, you're more likely to be organized and you're more likely to get things get things done. And so um, personally, uh, the morning time is the time when I get to work out um, as well as the evenings. And then any time in be- between, um, well, sometimes, um, uh, there was a really rough period where I had a, a deadline and I only would sleep four hours um, in a night. Um, I would sleep from nine to two. Um, and then uh, I would write from two to like five. Um, and after that, uh, I would train and work. And because I also um, am an ESL instructor. Uh, and that was rough. <laughs> but I, I knew it was short. Like, and then there was a light at the end of the tunnel. Um, but it was like kind of like triathlon, just one buoy at a time, you know, one mile marker at a time uh, and not to think too far ahead, but just be kind of being present in the moment. Oh, I was sitting here thinking like hmm, two to three, you're doing this and then three to five, you're doing this. When were you sleeping and then teaching? <laughs> oh, my gosh. And kids, what age group do you teach? Um, well, I, I teach adults. So, uh, but they feel like kids sometimes. Uh, you know, so I thought when you said ESL, which could be right, I'm not having a moment here, but they have ESL in elementary schools, right? Yes. And, okay, um, okay. and K through 12. And then um, I work, I work at Penn and um, I work with undergraduate and graduate students, international undergraduate and graduate oh. students um, that want to. Uh, work on their English skills. So love it. Love it. I'm here for it. I love it. Maria, thank you. Thank you for being you. Thank you for, you know, just your perspective and vantage point on why multi sport or triathlon is so important and for what you're doing in the community and for being so community focused. Like there's a lot of people who are doing this and they do it for a variety of reasons. But you embody the tri-space of bringing in community and doing things with others. So I appreciate that. And I thank you for including me in your long rides and us having movie day. And then we can just call each other and talk about it because I'm not coming up to Philly to run with you. But we can figure that out later. (laughs) We can figure that out all later. Well, you know what time it is, right? Um, Really fast fire questions. 
That's cl close. Rapid fire. Yes. That's all in the same. All in the same. Yes. <laughs> so getting to ask you some rapid fire questions is going to be good because I got to think outside the box because you've heard quite a few of them. Hmm. Gotta think. Let's see. I can help you. Favorite food, cheese. <laughs> this is not your rapid fire. <laughs> that's what happens when you have a fan. That's, but that's your good, though. I know. That's good. <laughs> so, cheese. Okay. So, this is a new one that I got from Colleen Quigley. Uh, what type of potato are you? Mashed. Love Tell mashed potatoes. More. Tell me why you're a mashed potato. Um, whenever uh, somebody else, I guess I should throw in the, the acknowledgments is uh, my partner, uh, Stephen. Um, we've been married. We're going to be married for seven years this year. Um, but we had a mashed potato bar uh, at our wedding. And I was very insistent on having this mashed potato bar because you can do so much with it. You can put so many toppings. You There's so many different kinds of potatoes that you can mash. Um, in fact, um, I was in... New York City this past weekend to do the New York City half. And um, we went to Brooklyn afterwards, um, this place called uh, Frank's uh, Frankie's 457 Sputino, something like that is the mm -hmm. name of the restaurant. They had a cacio e pepe mashed potato. So like a cheesy with like, um, like pepper, salt, and pepper uh, mm -hmm. mashed potato. It was so good. And it was like, whoa, like I never even thought to combine like these things in a mashed potato. So, you know, you can be really inventive with mashed potatoes. Okay. I'm here for the mashed potatoes. <laughs> hmm. Do you have any race superstitions? Oh my gosh, yes. <laughs> I am a very superstitious person. Okay, go. Um... I, I guess they're not super fun, but like, um, I don't know how much I can share too, but the first one, to be completely honest, concerns bowel movements. And I always say poops of three is the best day. <laughs> oh my God, no. I can't believe I'm saying that out loud. It's, it's okay because, so that's what we do as travelers. Like you gotta do that. You gotta, um. You got to release. And yeah. I'm, I'm with you on the three. Like, if it ain't three, it's a wrap. So know your, know your release amount. That's how we <laughs> put it that way. Yes. Yes. So I, yeah, if I, that's, that's, I would say my top superstition. Okay. <laughs> Sometimes I wonder if people question my hygiene. <laughs> Ah, <laughs> uh, I tell you, when I have um Maria and Sarah on, we've had some some serious conversations, and I promise, when you really get in engaged in this multi sport life, some things that you used to think so highly about get thrown out the door. Oh yeah, because you're shaking your head. Give me one of them. <laughs> <laughs> That you thought well, so I, highly about like taking showers every day or not every day, but after every workout, I'm talking too much. Anyway, <laughs> tell me what yours. well, I guess it's, I guess it would honestly be like normalizing talk about movements and, you know, 
like when you're around, you know, when you're training with people and you're training in the same sport, um, just certain things just don't become taboo. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I don't really talk about this kind of stuff at work or anything like that, but like with my group of friends, it's something that we, that's, it's a very real thing. So yeah, lots of potty talk. Potty talk, carrying wipes in your bags, you know, cause you know, sometimes life happens. You have to go from one sport to the other. Have you ever used Clorox wipes to make sure you wiped? Oh, no, I haven't used that. Mm. I haven't, but I know someone who has. But anyway, let's keep (laughs) it. They say it it works. Let's keep it moving. Um, What would you tell your 13-year-old self? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, I would tell my 13-year-old self um, to not box yourself into one form of identity, that there are different ways that you can express who you are in all of its different dimensions. Um, so for more context with that, um, I thought, you know, like in high school that there were, you know, the, the really smart people and then there were like the athletic people and then like all these little clicks and you kind of had to self-identify. Um, and um, I don't know if that's just a relic from like my time in school, because I've talked to people that are younger and they're like, yeah, like, you know, I was athletic, but I was also like an art student. And I'm like, what? Really? Like you could mix and match like that. Like, that's awesome. (laughs) So, so knowing that, you know, it's okay to mix and match. You don't have to pigeonhole yourself into one identity. All right. 13 year old Maria, you hear that? Yeah. (laughs) Favorite. What's your favorite, your favorite music artist? Hmm. Ah, oh, that's good. That's a good question. Um, I haven't asked that one in a while. Ah, <laughs> my favorite music artist. Uh I've been. I guess I've been really listening to uh, Luis Miguel a lot. Okay. Uh, which is um, just like ballads. Like I feel like such an old woman. Like I like I feel like that's like the music my mom would listen to. But like there's something really nostalgic about that. I don't know. And then like Bad Bunny. Like it's just hey. so <laughs> I mean who, who can't listen to Bad Bunny? He has really great his beats are his I'm I'm a Bad Bunny fan. Okay. Okay. So what's your favorite song that gets you motivated when you don't want to work out, but you know you put this song on and you're like all right, I'm ready. Oh man. Um there's there's a couple of them. Um I I'm I don't know why my my Spanish speaking brain is like activated right now, but I the Gypsy Kings. Like, okay. Uh, uh so uh like flamenco uh for whatever reason. Um there's also this other artist, Colombian artist, uh Carlos Vives. I was just telling um a teammate last week that I've been listening to like Vallenato type music it's just really cheery like there's an accordion it's just really danceable like it's just a lot of fun I think um a lot of his music was featured in that movie Disney movie Encanto actually Encanto. Mm. yeah I love it I love it and you know I can't let you leave here without answering this question do you pee on the bike or take a pop pop that that do you pee on the bike or take a proper pee break? 
So um, that Maryland uh, 2021, I was trying my hardest to pee on the bike. I really, really had to go. And I was like, one, two, three, go. And nothing would happen. I had such bad stage fright. And I was so mad at myself because I'm like, what is happening? Like, clearly I have to pee my pants. This is the time to pee your pants. It's okay <laughs> to pee your pants. And um, I ended up having to go to the porta potty and I was like wrestling like my wet um, tri suit to take it off. You must have like the volunteers at Maryland must have thought I was wrestling a bear in the porta potty. <laughs> making all sorts of sounds trying to get it off and uh but yeah so yeah i i would like to pee on the bike uh it's something i aspire to do but no such luck well as long as you aspire to pee on the bike and you can't get in trouble as a child for peeing in your pants as you say i've never thought about it as like peeing in your pants because you know when you were little okay it's too much Thank you so much. Yeah, I'm glad that you have those aspirations to join the Pee on the Bike Club. And with that said, this episode has been full of just great, um, just wisdom and stories. Because whenever you try beginners, like you always win. And it gives you an opportunity to have a story that you can then tell to even me. So with that said, if you want to be on Try Beginners Like and share your story, slide into our DMs or send us an email at tblpodbiz at trybeginnersluck.com. Well, that's it for me. I'm Mashonda and we're out. Peace. Thank you for tuning in and listening to this episode. We need your help so we can continue to try at TBL. So for more information on where you can find and subscribe to this podcast, visit www.trybeginnersluck.com. And don't forget, whenever you try beginner's luck, you always win.